What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to a long overdue episode of Teeing It Up with CNB. I'm your host, Connor, as always with my co-host, Flatty. He can't see me today because my camera is malfunctioning on the Zoom that we're recording on. So I just get to look at his pretty face alone in the in the dark as far as he's concerned. But Vladdy, what's going on? Let's get a, a, rid of me and my voice cracking voice. What's up? Uh, not much. Uh, you mentioned kind of the pause. Uh, I know last week was more of kind of like a social weekend for us, Michigan, Michigan State. There wasn't a lot of football to actually watch because Michigan State's not good at that right now. Um but no, outside of that, I'm fine. Uh, we're recording this on a Wednesday, so by the time people are listening to this, I'll probably be off work for the weekend because I got a short week. Um, I know we talk about this pretty often. I like to complain about my five day weeks like I'm privileged. So what? <laughs> Screw you guys. But no, I'm I'm going. Everything's well. I have nothing to complain about. Halloween was this past weekend. Always a fun time. Uh, how, how have you been in kind of this long break? Yeah, the long break. Uh, I've been good. Um, worrying about Detroit sports a little too much. I know we've got plenty of topics um, taking the week off. I know Vladdy kind of went into it. Um, we just kind of felt that it was such a depressing week for us as sports fans um, and a long weekend in general as far as socializing, like Vladdy mentioned, that a week off was going to do us good. Uh, it, it's The Lions are on a bye. You know, sometimes this podcast needs a bye. So that's the way we're, we're putting it. That's our intentions by that. We're back. This should be a fun episode for you guys. Me personally, I'm doing okay. School's chugging along. Work's chugging along. Life's chugging along. That's what you got to do these days. Yep. And yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a hell of a show. Let's um, do it. Let's get to the college game, the college world. Yeah, we'll start with college football. Uh, we're only gonna we're gonna stay in the world uh, of this past week. I don't think really the only thing worth noting that happened the week before uh, was Ohio State beating Penn State 20 to 12, a game that I kind of foresaw seeing exact going exactly the way it did. Penn, Ohio State being a slightly more talented team and neither team really being able to explode on offense. That's exactly what happened. Um, and then this week, uh, we'll get into our, our segments. So, as always, our surprise of the week. Uh... I'll I'll start with um I'm gonna start with Kansas football. That was mine. Uh, what? That was mine. Ah, uh, well, damn. <laughs> I guess I'll... the next I'll jump. No, I'll jump. I'll I'll jump to the North Carolina Tar Heels. So this could also qualify as fraud of the week. Um, they have now lost back to back games when they've opened as twelve plus point favorites they were 21 point favorites at home against virginia and they blew it and then they were 13 point favorites on the road against virginia tech they blew that one and again this is north carolina is not one of those schools where you're gonna say oh that's a that's a playoff team or they've got a shot at something but in the span of two weeks they've gone from number 12 in america or let me first from number 10 in america to unranked they've and, and to two teams that they should should have beaten, which they didn't. Yeah, that's just kind of mine. I'll, I'll say kind of from a team that was six and zero, everything looked good, could have maybe been on track with a, with a fraudulent Clemson to meet a Florida State in the in the ACC title game, which they don't even play Florida State this this regular season. So good for them. They could have been undefeated going into that playing just bum team after bum team, and they showed why they're a basketball school. Um, I don't really have much more to say there. I'll 
I guess you want to give your surprise of the week, or I guess we kind of revealed it, but I'll let you talk about them. Yeah, so I guess our I'll, I'll, we'll call it a joint surprise of the week is the Kansas Jayhawks and Coach Leopold. What is it, Leopold? Is that how you say it? I think it's Leipold because the Leipold. I comes after the E, but that, uh, that's just me going back to my German roots. If you, you say okay. whatever vowel comes last. Okay, and Coach Leipold, I know uh, – Absolute juggernaut of a coach at Whitewater, a Division II school, uh, and then uh, Buffalo, and then going over to Kansas. And he's done a great job there in a program that was in an abysmal spot for years. Pretty much all of our lives, I remember them not being more than a handful of wins a year. Yep. Um, and he kind of in his second straight year, I think they went, what did they end up going last year? Nine and three? They might have. I, I'm not going to say what their record was. I just but, a know good, that but a good season where they were ranked at one point last year. Uh, this year, same thing. They've been in and out of the rankings this year. Uh, and then to go and beat the Oklahoma team that is the top dog in the Big 12. Uh, the Big 12 is kind of eating itself alive right now. I also think people kind of slept on this Big 12 through a lot of the year. Uh, they've slowly kind of played their way into having a lot of frisky teams. I don't know, not necessarily anybody that's going to threaten the playoff, uh, but a lot better and more frisky teams in the Big 12. And that kind of goes into this next week. Kansas State's playing Texas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Uh, I think Kansas plays somebody good as well. Like there's some big time matchups going forward towards the end of the year, as there are in the other power fives. As far as Oklahoma, uh, it's their first time losing to Kansas since 1999. In case you were wondering, that's the year that Vladdy and I were born. So they haven't done it in this century. Or they they hadn't lost, that is, in this century. Dylan Gabriel probably falls out of the Heisman. I don't know, I don't know about you. Heisman running with that loss. I don't I know how you recover. It still boils down to, I don't know their schedule off the top of my head. But there's still boils down to, I know Texas has to beat Kansas State and a couple other decent teams. Uh, they're not done. There's still so much that can happen in this year's thing that you win out, you beat Texas again in the Big 12 championship. Um, you have a shot at the very least of being in the college football playoff the way this is going. You'll have beaten Texas twice. I think they have another big win in their non-conference, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I could be wrong with by their record. They do uh, not this, have a big one in the non-conference. No, okay. Uh, yeah. And the, uh, as far as uh, this, I mean, this might not look like a bad loss when it's all said and done. I think Kansas might be a team that slides into the rankings. We'll see. Um, but yeah, just a surprise effort in general. Uh, came out flat. I know they were in Kansas, uh, which is slowly, I guess, becoming a hard place to play. I don't think so. But I agree you never you. know. I don't think I remember, so you know what I'm think, hearing right now, at least thinking to myself, I don't know if it was last year, but it was definitely at some point during our college lives, Kansas was playing Oklahoma. And again, it might have been last year or maybe a few years ago because it, it wouldn't have been home twice in a row, but they were beating them and Oklahoma was highly ranked. And they said that they're going to open the gates for free to anyone who wanted to come watch because they just didn't have enough fans in the stadium. Yeah, I, I believe it. It's not a football school traditionally. Uh, they've been competitive here for, I guess, the last two years. I'm looking at Oklahoma's schedule now. They have not played anybody besides Texas. Yep. Uh, I mean, they've played their – they haven't really even played anybody tough as far as the Big 12 goes. Uh, 
then they won't either. I think Oklahoma State, who is slowly marching back after a slow start where they lost to South Alabama, uh, is probably the only competitive team they play left. West Virginia, BYU, TCU, all bad teams. Uh, so maybe I look at it and you beat Texas twice. That maybe doesn't look as good considering the way I think this thing is going to shake out. Um, but very surprising that they go down there. And I guess now that I'm talking out loud, I said I know that anything's still possible, but that could have just been their season, losing to a basketball school in Lawrence, Kansas. Yeah, no, I mean, there's it's, it's early on. All of these teams will be playing each other, but you have five teams tied atop the Big 12 at 4-1. and one, So no more divisions. I guess the Big 12 hasn't had divisions in a while because they've only had 10 schools, but no more divisions. So I think you're going to see a lot more interest in kind of tiebreakers and, oh, my God, we're not actually out of it because we've only lost one game. It's not, oh, my God, we lost one game to the other good school in our division, and now we can't go to a conference title. So that'll be good. It's nice that kind of all of the the conferences are adopting this, except for the, the SEC, because the SEC is fraudulent. And if they had to do that, that would mean that Alabama and Georgia would probably play each other more often than they do now. And the SEC can't have that. They'd rather play cupcakes and protect their school so they can get higher rankings. But as you can see, my passive aggressiveness and kind of hatred towards the way the SEC runs their shit, we can do that at a later date. Um, yeah, I kind of want to move on to maybe game of the week. Uh, I had I had two written down. I had UNC Georgia Tech, but we already talked about them. Uh, the other one I had down purely from a, a points. And I watched the ESPN highlights, so maybe I could be off. And this is going to come as a surprise, probably, is USC Cal that ended 50 to 49. Is USC just checked out? Or is Caleb Williams checked out? Like, are they just like, are they kind of done with this? They've lost their two games. They're out now. Like, are they completely? I don't know if you saw the comments he had after the game. Tough, tough quote again. Not a leadership quote, a very selfish quote. Did you see what he said? No, but I've got an idea of what it might be because I, I kind of saw some rumors where people are like, well, if you're Caleb Williams, why would you even play the rest of the year? You're not in the Heisman race. You're not in the playoff race. Just quit for a business decision. Go be the number one pick. I'm assuming it's something along those lines where he's kind of innuendoing towards that. No, it was something about uh, his play the last couple weeks. Um, and he basically went on this tangent of we've scored X amount of points in, in every game. Really, if you look at my three years as a starter, I've played one bad game, and you're going to say that I've been playing bad for X amount of time over one bad game. He said that to a reporter. Yikes. Well, I guess. So I think he, he goes from, like, like, on my, like, best prospects since Andrew Luck to week by week. And this is what happens every year in college football. It's what happened to Sam Howell most aggressively in recent memory is that they just slowly, some guys just slowly play their way into, in your mind, not being the same prospect they were. Like whether it's through their play or whether it's through what they say in Caleb Williams case, for the most part, uh, or their attitude uh, or saying you want equity in a team. Like Caleb which Williams isn't even wants, legal. But... Which, yeah. And you're not like, they weren't going to do that for Patrick Mahomes' new deal, who's the greatest quarterback to ever play the game, and you're not going to uh, do that for some random rookie. Like, I'm sorry, uh, football at the end of the day, like, you, what's the average life in the NFL, as they say, like a year and a half? Like, 
it's there's a lot of good prospects behind you. So, yeah, I think maybe you're maybe trying to bring him down too much because like he's I think not so, just yeah. he's maybe he's not just a prospect. We are like you said this this is a guy who's so highly regarded. But I think a better way of putting it is just like the character issues are. He looks like a guy who paints his fingernails, or he sounds like a guy yeah. who paints his fingernails. It's like, oh, I'm Ken. This is my Casa Hasa Mojo Dojo, whatever that was from the movie. And it, it, it is starting to kind of tire out, in my opinion. Agreed. Uh, your game of the week? So my game of the week, and this is going to be kind of maybe a different way than we normally go, is I'm going Oregon-Utah, and I'm going thoroughly oh, okay. based off of how impressed I was with Oregon. Yeah, um, I can see it. Like I said, it, this is not the type of close back and forth game we go, but they walked into. I think I think I think Utah's in Salt Lake City. I could be wrong. They walked into a place where not many teams win. I think I remember uh, when I was listening to that broadcast. They said it was either the longest home win streak in in, in the Pac-12 or the the longest in America. Which I I want to see. It's not that because I feel like it's got to be Georgia. But in any case. They, they went into a place where nobody wins, and they hammered Utah. Now, I understand yep. Cam Rising hasn't played. They were playing with a safety at running back because they're missing two of the other ones. But they've been banged up the entire year, and that hasn't stopped them from being a top 13 team and kind of having just one loss. So I just got, I'm just going to kind of tip my hat to Oregon. I'll say the way you just manhandled them, Oregon – it's kind of funny because you look back at the Washington game now and it kind of maybe stings a little more because this team is for real. It's on a neutral site. They probably beat Washington. And if Dan Lanning doesn't lose his mind and if they don't miss a field goal, whatever it might be, they might still be undefeated. They might be a top three team in America. But unfortunately, they've kind of used their get out of jail free card because you lose a second game. It'll, it'll be a second Pac-12 game. You're probably not making it to a Pac-12 title game, and you're probably not looking at the playoff, which is unfortunate because this team is legit. Yeah, I actually have a lot to say about this. This one is uh, I agree that arguably one of the more impressive wins we've seen in the later parts of this, this season so far. And not only that, but you think of Oregon, you think of the flashy jerseys, the Nikes there. The offense, the Marcus Mariota, that team went and beat up on a Utah team who is known for pushing people around and grinding their way and playing physical football as far as the Pac-12 is concerned. And that's exactly what Oregon did to that Utah team. They are that team this year. They are physical. They are grimy. They've got skill guys. They still have that offense. Obviously, 27-year-old Bo Nix is a good help in that. Uh, <laughs> at least it feels like he's been in college football forever. I know he started as a true freshman at Auburn. So, um, I, sorry, I, I'm sorry to cut you off real quick. They actually brought this up. He is the most he's, – he's the most experienced quarterback in NCAA history with 55 career starts. Yeah, I, I and I believe it. I believe it. That's, I mean, that's, it's five years of being the starter. Like, that's absurd. <laughs> it's outrageous. Uh, at two premier programs, too, at this yep. point. Uh, what was I saying? Uh, he, so I, I love Oregon. I think you make a great point where they're one field goal and one Dan Lanning, like, stroke away from being undefeated. And honestly, after that, I think if you take away, I know it's hard to say this without a loss. I think we have, what, five legit not counting like 
um, uh, uh, James Madison or any of those teams. <laughs> like, how, I think we have five undefeated teams left at this point. Uh, I think they're probably most deserving Oregon. I know it's hard to say with Washington beating them, but the way Washington has looked the last couple last two weeks, I think I'm to the point where I think Oregon is legit, probably the fourth best team in America, in my opinion. I mean, I could see it. And the nice thing is it's still early on. We will see it. Um, right. We've got a lot of weeks to play it out. Uh, do we, do we want to kind of go into the rankings while we're just sitting here talking about top teams and everything? Yeah. Uh, so, so go ahead. I was going to say, so, I mean, the first college football playoff of the year came out uh, the, uh, yesterday. They kind of differed from what the AP has. And to be honest, I don't really mind it. I'm not going to sit here and scream because I know all of this is going to play itself out. But just kind of read it off the top in order of the unbeatens. OSU at number one, which is kind of the shock. Georgia two, Michigan three, Florida State four, Washington five. I think you probably, everyone probably agrees that four and five are kind of the way they are with FSU and Washington at order. Yeah. And then maybe kind of rounding out the top 10, Oregon, like we said, at six, Texas at seven, Bama at eight, Oklahoma at nine, Ole Miss at 10. And I'll give Penn State a shout out at 11 just because they're a Big Ten school. But those are kind of your top 10, your kind of important schools. Uh, I guess, do we just maybe want to talk about the the surprise, quote unquote, with OSU going to number one? What are your thoughts on that? I actually don't think it's a surprise. I think it's the right decision. Um, are they, you have to look, I mean, you're ranking the teams based off of what you've seen so far. Uh, and Ohio state of the unbeatens has shown you the most against the best competition. Um, I mean, you can look at Florida state has beat LSU. That's week one. Aside from that, they beat a four and four Clemson team in overtime and haven't played a remotely good team since then. Washington has the win against Oregon, which might, to be honest, be the best win anybody has this year. Maybe besides Texas going into Alabama. I can see that. Uh, I think those are probably the two best wins anybody has at this point. Uh, And then Washington has also looked very shaky the last couple of weeks. So I think they're right where they should be at five. Um, Again, like I've said, not that high on Florida State personally the last couple of weeks, even though they, they've blown up on a couple of ACC schools. Um, and then as far as the top three, like you said, the surprise, I you look at what the teams have played. Is it Ohio State going to be there at the end of the year? Personally, I don't think so from what I've seen. But what they've done so far is a, they've compiled the best resume of the three teams. And I know it's like, the age like a Michigan or a Georgia can complain about like we we have to play the Big Ten schedule or the SEC schedule. Uh, we play who's on our schedule. Like we can't control that. Obviously, you can control non-conference, but we can't control the conference schedule. That doesn't matter when we're talking about rankings, college football rankings and week eight. We look at the resume and I think Ohio State has the best resume, Penn State, Notre Dame, uh, both ugly wins, but they beat they've beaten two teams. And you can't sit here and tell me that Georgia, who hasn't played a team that has less than uh, three losses this year, and Michigan, who hasn't played a real team uh, that isn't from high school, are better resumes than Ohio State. Yeah, um, I'm actually glad we're in agreement. I'm in the exact same mindset of 
it's not about what we think you are with Georgia of, oh, my God, you haven't lost a game. Or I guess you lost one game uh, two years ago. But it's not the, oh, my God, like, we're just going to give you the benefit of the doubt based on teams that don't exist anymore because those players all play for the Philadelphia Eagles now. It's not Michigan of, oh, my God, you haven't scheduled a non-conference Power 5 team in a decade. It's, hey, you got on the phone with Notre Dame. You, you scheduled a home-and-home. Home. Hey, you happened to play Penn State earlier than Michigan did. And, yeah, like you said, these ratings are subject to change. Like I said, they're all going to play each right. other, so there's not really – That's the biggest need. point. People yeah, there's not out. a need to kind of get upset about it because nothing is yep. decided. I mean, this was week 12, and they're slotting in guys for, for the playoff. A little different story, but until it happens, all we can do is kind of just watch, and I think we're both in agreement that they – I think they have the right list. I, that's all I can say. I think, yeah, and I hate I, I let you. We have to talk about it because it is college football news. But you make a good point in that every single year, people freak out over this week eight thing, and then two, at least two, sometimes even three of those teams are not even there come week twelve. So it's going to shape up. It like like you said. Michigan and Ohio State are going to play each other. Georgia's going to play Alabama in the SEC championship. Oklahoma and Texas look like they'll play each other and in the Big 12 championship. Uh, Oregon still has to play Oregon State and uh, USC. Washington, I'm not sure who they have off the top of my head. They'll play somebody good in the Pac-12 this year. Uh, specifically, Washington State is a solid team off the top of my head. Uh, Penn State and Michigan are going to play as well. I'm just listing off good games. There's so much football left to freak out over these, yep. and that's a good point. So I guess the last thing I want to mention that kind of maybe proves your point of the some people get way too into it way too soon. Remember the first edition of the playoffs where number one was Mississippi State and number two was Ole Miss, and then at the end both of those teams were 9-3 and three or whatever it was? I don't, and that's crazy to even think about. I, you know what my first memory of the week eight uh, college football playoff rankings is? Is two seasons ago when after State. the five-touchdown Kenny Walker game and seeing Michigan State at, I think it was three, yep. uh, only to lose to Purdue the next week. So. Yeah, that, that's tough. But we're, we're not going to bring back those bad memories. Do we want to move move it on over to the NFL? Because I think this is where the primary, the primary portion of our, our topics and our interest is going to be. Yeah, I just uh, quickly, my fraud of the week is Duke. Uh, Duke looked like they were back, got absolutely killed by Louisville. Maybe Louisville's good. Uh, they have a couple of decent wins. They've looked competitive. That's all I have to say. Let's move to the NFL. Um, do we want to start with kind of the three, the surprise, the game, and the fraud, just because I think the Lions one is big and we can kind of hammer these out sooner? Yeah. All right, so I'll quickly go. My NFL surprise of the week is I'm just going to say the injuries. Um mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm looking around the league of just like kind of quarterback specific. Daniel Jones, yeah. Matt Stafford, her, Kirk Cousins died. Aaron Rodgers died. Justin Fields hasn't played in a month. Deshaun Watson, who knows what's going on with him? Kyler Murray, now I understand it didn't happen this year, but he's still dead. Anthony Richardson down for the year. Jimmy Garoppolo, even though it doesn't matter anymore because he got benched, he was in and out of lineups. I mean, the quarterbacks have been getting hammered this year with injuries. Yeah. And Maybe this is a placebo, maybe because we're older now, we pay more attention to what happens. 
on like a minute detail. It's not like a kid where it's like, oh, go Lions! And you don't know any of the players. You just see the final score with the blue logo next to you. You're like, oh, damn it, we lost. But it, it seems like it just, it, it's, it seems bad. It's the turf, just, man. Yeah, it's the turf. It's that New York MetLife Stadium turf. Got to get rid of it. Yeah. Uh, we'll get it. But... We'll get yeah. We'll get into the the MetLife turf on this past Sunday how that played out. Uh, my surprise of the week is the Broncos beating the Chiefs. I think you have to talk about that one, absolutely, because uh, that is one of the worst teams in the NFL beating one of the probably the best team in the NFL. Um, Taylor Swift not in attendance. Maybe it's something to. I thought it was funny. I know you don't care about this stuff. The Broncos playing. Uh, Shake it off, Taylor Swift, as the machine <laughs> walking off the out of the stadium. Great troll job by the, the PA guys over in Denver, Colorado. Um, that's funny. I, did I don't not know. See that. I don't know. It's it's the first time since uh, I believe it's the first time in Patrick Mahomes' career he's lost to the Broncos. Um, it's been a long time since they've lost to the Broncos. Anytime you get this big of an upset, it has to be mentioned. Just. I don't know. It's another one of those games for the Chiefs, though, that you look and they keep they do this and they leave these little berries to pick up that are like, are the Chiefs bad? Are the Chiefs not the, them this year? No, they're still them. Uh, they're still the best team in the NFL. They're still going to be there at the end of the year. Uh, they just have these like flunks. Um, and I also want to credit the Broncos because I don't think they're that that bad. I think they're bad, but not that bad, if that makes sense. I think I know what you're saying. Um, yeah, I kind of want to kind of bring one thing. That was Patrick Mahomes' first ever loss on the road in his division. Mm. That was, I think you mentioned it, that was the first time the Chiefs had lost to the Broncos since Peyton Manning versus Alex Smith in, I think, 2015. Yep. And then the last thing was maybe talking about the Chiefs and maybe how they, I'm going to say leaving berries, but maybe leaving hope to the rest of the league that you have a shot is, it really, like we've mentioned it, it looks like Travis Kelsey and a bunch of just traffic cones at receiver. And I think once in a while, that's just going to catch up to him where it's like, hey, if we find a way to not cover Travis Kelsey because you can't do that, but to limit his effectiveness, you you can stop the Chiefs because there's just, there is no second option. None. No. Kadarius Tony stinks. Guy Moore stinks. They had to bring back McCole Hardman just to have yep. like a living pulse that could yep. Go inside, go on the other side of the field of Kelsey. Yeah, I mean they're running around career special teamers, Justin Watson at receiver to catch the deep ball. Right. So it's it's not it's it's a not it's not a great situation. I mean, like you said, you mentioned uh they they tried with Kadarius Tony, they they spent a high pick on Sky Moore, they spent a high pick on Rasheed Rice, and he's still in his rookie year, so the jury's out, but doesn't look great outside of Travis Kelsey. And is that something that'll end up hurting the Chiefs? Probably not, because come playoff time when someone else tries to walk into arrowhead they'll just get blitzed because that's just how it always ends up but yeah it's kind of it's kind of the chiefs talk at least for me yeah uh game of the week uh i i'd assume we have the same one browns seahawks we do not oh well i'll talk about the brown seahawks um the seahawks have kind of become a quiet force in the nfc Yep. Um, six and two, they lead the NFC West, or maybe they're five and two. I don't know. I forget when their bye week was, but they they lead the NFC West now that San Fran has kind of forgot how to play football. And MVP Brock Purdy suddenly looks like a traffic cone when he doesn't have seventeen All Pros starting with him. Um, and they just kind of play this like I don't want to say 
it's kind of that stereotypical Pete Carroll run, 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 and then Geno Smith you trust enough to kind of find Lockett and DK Metcalf and JSN. JSN starting to kind of get that rookie come out party. I think oh. I don't know if I talked about this with you or it might have been with a, a friend at work, but it was like we were trying to rank the first round rookie receivers and JSN was kind of lower on the list just because he hadn't done as much, but he is yeah. starting to kind of shift into gear, get a little bit more run and a little bit more trust built into him from Geno. And it's paying off. You know, he, he scores the winning touchdown. I mean, even without Deshaun Watson, the Browns are not an easy out. And they beat him. So you're looking at you're looking at a first place NFC West team, the Seattle Seahawks. And they've they've become a team to, to not just kind of roll your eyes and say, ha ha ha, Gino's not that great and oh what's going on. They've drafted amazingly the last two, three years. So I, I don't know. We'll we'll see where it takes them. We'll see if they can stay ahead of San Francisco. But I don't know. That that's that's kind of for my game of the week. Yeah, on the Brown side of it, like Deshaun Watson is kind of turning into that meme of like, you're okay to go in, Deshaun. No, nah, I'm good. No, nah, I'm good. <laughs> like, I genuinely like don't know what's wrong with them at this point. If you're a Cleveland Browns fan, every game that this is happening, though, for the person that you spent all this guaranteed money on to uh, not be playing football uh, is probably – having you chomp at the bit every single week that this goes on yeah i mean not not that there's a lot of kind of maybe comparisons here just because the nfl you didn't really have a lot of trades is this the worst trade in nfl history maybe up there with the ricky williams trade where i think it was the saints gave up their entire fucking draft yeah yeah it, 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 it it's so bad for him so my game of the week, you could also probably call it the worst game of the week. Uh-oh. It's the Jets-Giants and the Battle of the Meadowlands. As I talked about, the Meadowlands turf delivered a 13-10 overtime game. Um, the Jets are just going to do this every week, aren't they? They're going to give up less than 20 points. Zach Wilson is going to make one or two plays that are good enough to, like that last drive to get him in the field goal range to force overtime. Made a couple of good throws. They get the snap. They get the snap and throw it down. Then they get the field goal to force overtime. Uh, I, I like it. it's just a. It seems like it's a bit of a recipe for the Jets here. I know that's I believe three in a row, three or four in a row for the Jets. Now they sit at four and three, very much alive. Uh, I know that division, probably the way it's going with the Bills winning and then the Dolphins the way they are, probably not in their realm, but they are looking at a wild card spot. The AFC North is going to eat up on each other. The South sucks. Uh, and then I don't know. I don't really trust anyone else in the West besides the Chiefs. So they're right. They're going to be right up there till the end. Uh, hopefully Aaron Rodgers is a distinct way of going about his Achilles injury. He was throwing footballs on Sunday. So who knows what that means? If you're a Jets fan, that's got to be promising more than promising i don't know but uh and then as far as the giants go you're not like amazing that they were able to even take this game to overtime they're on their third string quarterback and they were trying to do basically everything they could to make sure that this kid could not i can't even remember his name at this point could not throw the ball um interesting what they'll do moving forward as far as tyrod and daniel jones i know 
Dable kind of hinted at a quarterback controversy once they both get back and healthy. They first both got to get back and healthy. Their season is done. It doesn't matter. As someone who does, you know, pay somewhat of attention and uh, cheer for the Giants, it's extremely frustrating, the Daniel Jones situation, extremely frustrating the way that this franchise was bad for so many years to make the playoffs last year and then kind of go down and look like we are probably a top, bottom five team in the league this year, bottom six team in the league this year. Um, it's just kind of depressing, and you gave Daniel Jones another $33 million for the next three seasons after this one. So not good if you're a Giants fan. Yeah, so this game was my fraud of the week, so I'll just kind of add on to that, and that'll kind of be my my talking point. Um, 24 punts. Oh. Seven yards of passing from the Giants. I thought it was uh, negative nine. It was negative something at one point. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was terrible. And then, I mean, Brian Dable kind of losing his mind a little bit, maybe costing his team a win there in regulation. That was just – that was one of the worst games I've ever witnessed. I didn't watch all of it, so maybe bless for me. I only saw 15 punts, not 24. Cool. But, yeah, that, that's my fraud of the week. Uh, my fraud of the week are the Rams. And every year you get one of these teams that have a nice win week one or week two, and you think in your head, maybe this is subjective to me, you hold on to them being a good team for probably a lot longer than they should be. And that was me with the Rams. with the They spanked the Seahawks in week one. And I thought, okay, maybe the Rams aren't a 12-win team, 13-win team, but they're a team that's going to be there in the hunt. Uh, they are not. They're very, very bad. They got shit on by the Cowboys this week. Uh, they go down to three and five. Stafford's hurt. Cooper Cup has not come back and exactly lit the world on fire. A lot of those defensive players you remember from that Super Bowl team are either gone or very old and washed. Uh, they're a bad football team, and they're my fraud of the week because in my head, I held on to them not being bad until them getting absolutely run out of the building by the Cowboys, who seem to love to kill the bad teams. The Cowboys are front runners. So, yeah, that's my fraud of the week. So, let I think that's kind of our three topics we hit on. Let's get to the the probably the best part, the thing that we probably have the most amount of time to spend one segment on, the Detroit Football Lions. Um, I guess, do we want to just quickly mention last week in Baltimore – one of the worst effort performances I've ever seen. Game is over by the first quarter. I rage quit. Um, basically, football for the rest of the weekend because it was the, it was the Sunday morning get, or the Sunday early game. Watched none of the four o'clock window and none of the Sunday night after the, what the Lions did. But good bounce back performance. I'll kind of let you start with, maybe with the Raiders if you, there's nothing you want to say with the Ravens. But turn it over to you, and then we can go. From now there. the. Uh, I, I would like to think, and at least my thought was at the time, that maybe you needed that to kind of humble Detroit uh, as far as maybe us then believing at that point we were this like actual top two or three team in the league Super Bowl contending team. Uh, Lamar, I will give an insy tiny bit of credit to the fact Lamar Jackson seems to tear up NFC teams because they don't see him as often. They see it, see him less than yearly. Uh, so I, we'll chalk that up as the excuse for not getting run out of the building. Like as far it. as the Monday night game, uh, 
it's another one where I look back and I go, we're six and two and we lost to pretty much all the good teams and beat all the bad teams other than the Chiefs because the Raiders are god awful. They're really, really bad. They're a bad football team. However, the defense looked great. Yes. Only really gave up seven points. Uh, obviously with the pick six. And the offense looked good. Specifically, this was Jameer Gibbs coming out party. Glad That's he's probably gonna get into it. Like. He looks like a first round pick. He's fast. He's got a little I like Troy Aikman made a good point, I think, at the end of the game. Uh something he rarely does. Um in that mentioning how he is kind of the speed burst and he's supposed to provide this burst of speed to kind of supplement Montgomery. However, he does have, and you saw it in this game, a little bit of a physical streak to him and that he can fall forward, so to speak. And he did that a lot in this game. And not only that, but the game plan was around him, Vladdy. They gave him the touches you need, he needed to actually get comfortable and make himself authoritative in the game. Um. Yeah. That was beautiful. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then I was going to go further into the offense. I like that. I don't know. It's It was such a weird game to me. And like I, I mentioned how bad the Raiders are. This game could have easily been 38-7. to seven, yep. And it was 29-14 or 26-14, whatever it ended up being. Um, because of the turnovers, which are not going to fly against a good team. This is not Jared Goff's best game. He made some good plays in this game, uh, but he looked a little human, I guess you could say, after kind of, I think I've put him in my head as this guy that's just going to make play after play. He has some, I guess you would say, limits, um, and he showed them today. But overall, a good effort. You needed it going into the bye week. You play, I believe they play the Chargers coming off the bye week, who look better Um than the last time we talked about them after they absolutely pissed on the Bears on Sunday night. But I'll kind of give it over to you as far as your thoughts. Uh, One more thing I wanted to add. I don't know how to put this. Um, Is it small or lean or just like too fit or jet? Like, I think too lean is what I want. Aiden Hutchinson does not look big enough to be effective every single down and that that's why i think he's effective in spurts and does kind of fall asleep and you don't even notice he's there for quarters on end i mean that's my last comment that's interesting i'll I'll kind of address that just because we had it right now um i don't know if it's bad i just think that maybe we've kind of re-hit the early points of last year where i don't think he has a full arsenal of pass rush moves it's kind of the hit the spin button, and if not, try and overpower a guy. Yeah. And I think that as more and more tape comes out on what he likes to do, I think tackles are better equipped to handle him. And it obviously doesn't help that the remaining members of his defensive line group that help out are, I don't want to be too mean, but they are just not noteworthy in the slightest. I will say say the inside, though, the inside of that line, does a good job, like McNeil, uh, other guys on the inside. Like, the run game has been fine. Obviously, it wasn't. Yeah. Good. Like, the run game – stopping the run game has been good all season, and I want to. Get, I don't want to differentiate this because I think the inside does a good job for yeah. the most part as oh, far agreed. as that. 
Agreed. I just do think that he's – I think maybe a better way of putting it is he's a good player who's not a great player yet in the sense that he's not game-wrecking by himself. And maybe that's because he's still young and he's developing or maybe because that's just not the kind of player he can be. In either case, you you need to realize that and you need to help him out. And we'll get into this after, in a second. I just do want to talk about the game. Um, you mentioned the defense was phenomenal. I think they kind of realized that the Raiders could do nothing. And Aaron Glenn kind of just said, ah, screw it. I'm going to start blitzing. And that's why you saw Anzalone get, get sacks when he normally shouldn't because he rushed a passer. Yeah, he looked uh, great. Yeah, no, the defense was phenomenal. The offense, you mentioned, they won a game by 12 points where I think they were minus two in the turnover department. They they gifted seven points to the other team, and you were kind of thinking, oh, my God, here we go again. But I do want to highlight Goff because I think this year, one of the things that I think I've seen from him that was not in years past is I think his ability to bounce back from something negative. In the past, yeah. you saw him get hit. The next couple plays, he would look like he had happy feet, and he would try and either just take off or get rid of the ball too quickly because he was afraid to get hit again. Or if he made a bad play, he wouldn't really come – I don't want to say come back from it, but it wasn't that immediate response. Whereas you watched the pick six, very next drive, they walked, they just walked through that defense. And I, and I guess I'll give him credit for that because that's kind of what we need. We need that guy who understands, I'm not perfect. I don't Constance. need to be perfect. I'm allowed to make a mistake. I can still come back and be me. And I think that's beautiful for him. You mentioned Jameer Gibbs. I mean, it's kind. Of, I mean, that was kind of the Gibbs, Laporta, Amon Ross, St. Brown show. So, yep. I I don't know. Um, I I I kind of want to get to the off-field stuff. The trade deadline was yesterday. Um, big splashy moves by some teams. I don't even know what to call Donovan Peoples Jones. A, a crowd pleaser. I, I, what is he? Uh, depth. Cool. Great. You're, you're not. Being uh, I, I'm going to start, though. I think people get ahead of themselves a little too much with the trade deadline because not much usually happens at the NFL trade deadline. Yes. But this the, is I, actually a more eventful NFL trade deadline. Than oh, it is. Past. No, completely agree. I think the NFL has maybe kind of realized the last couple of years is. It's okay. I think maybe with the Rams actually succeeding with their kind of screw the pitch yeah. and we're just going to make trades. I think when teams saw that happen and actually worked, they're a little bit more okay. Whereas before it used to be the whole, oh, we're doing it organically. We don't want to sell the farm. I do think you're going to start seeing more and more traction. It'll be more and more of a kind of a event. But just from a Detroit Lions standpoint, we, we, ju we just talked about it. Aiden Hutchinson needed help. Needs help. Now, maybe they think James Houston's coming back and he's going to get 700 sacks in three games, just like he did last year. Aiden Hutchinson needs help. There were two guys in Washington who got dealt for picks that we could have easily gave up, and we didn't. So here's the way I take it, because I'm not as angry with doing nothing as I think you are. What I think is Brad Holmes's idea in his head, and I think it's okay with me, is that this is just kind of still an escalating year. That, yes, we should make the playoffs. Yes, maybe we should win a game in the playoffs. 
But you got to get your feet wet before you can go all in and win a Super Bowl or be a Super Bowl team. Sure, And, I'm, and I'm, that's what this year is. But I'm not asking him to go trade away three first round picks like it's draft date for Max Crosby. I'm just saying if if Chase Young was traded away for a complimentary third round pick, that's pick 100. If Montez Sweat got traded for – now, granted, the Bears are – that that trade makes no sense. But if, if a second-round pick is what it took for to get Montez Sweat, who's a bona fide eight to ten sacks a year guy, I don't think that's going all in. I think that's investing in Aiden Hutchins. I think it's helping out your team. And Now, you mentioned the kind of the ascending thing. Mm-hmm. There's no guarantee in next year because let me tell you something about right. next year. Is is Ben Johnson going to be here next year? Can you guarantee that? No. No. As a matter yeah. of fact, you'd probably lean towards he's not going to be here next year, which means you're probably going to have a new coordinator who is almost certainly not going to be as good as him. Is the NFC going to be as bad next year as it is this year? You don't know that. Maybe it could be worse. Oh. Maybe it could be better. That 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 there is no there is no thing you can't really do much about that. But you have to at least acknowledge we are in a weak NFC. And then Correct. the biggest one. Are you going to be playing this trash of a schedule for the rest of your life as Brad Holmes' tenure at the gym? No, because you should be winning this division every single year for the next half decade with the state of the other teams in this division. So you are always going to be playing first-place schedules for for the next half decade. This was – and the thing is, we're not even just competing for a ha-ha, let's get to the playoffs. The number one seed is on the line. Now, you might think, oh, but Vladdy, the Eagles. You want to hear the Eagles' next six games in order? Here. Dallas Cowboys, Kansas City Chiefs, Buffalo Bills, San Francisco 49ers, Dallas Cowboys, Seattle Seahawks. In a row. Oof. Oof. In a row. There's no reason why this team could not have tried to make a move to go 14-3 and and get the one seed. There's no reason they couldn't have done that. Yeah, and I'm I'm trying to play devil devil's advocate as far as Brad Holmes' mind in that maybe – like I say, you still haven't really beaten anybody besides the Chiefs week one. Why should I change my long term? It's like the Iser plan and how people and I'm critical of the Iser plan not taking or taking too long and being too slow. But people that believe in Iserman believe that the idea is. We don't want to be good for three years, for four years, for five years. We are trying to build the next dynasty for the next decade. Yeah, And And on a smaller scale, which that's not the case in the NFL, it's impossible to do that the way player turnover is in that that league. But in Brad Holmes' mind, the way this thing is going, and it's gone arguably to a T so far, is why he hasn't seen anything that would make him want to rush or change his plan when three years in it's gone exactly to T going exactly what he's doing. Now, do I think that this is where I actually agree with you is we've seen Brad Holmes, the drafter. We've seen Brad Holmes in free agency, make good signings. Uh, Although a lot of them have been hurt this year, unfortunately. Um, (laughs) But if you want to be the Lynches in San Francisco or the Howie Rosemans in Philadelphia, you got to take the next step and show me why. Show me the trades. Show me. Be that guy that can go and get an A.J. Brown in the offseason from, from a trade or a Christian McCaffrey at the deadline. 
That's the next one. I was asking for one. (laughs) That's the Brad Holmes you need to see next. That's where I do agree with you that. um, And I do agree with you on the point that like Montez sweater, Chase Young aren't just, there aren't just rentals for the year. You theoretically sign them and they'd be an investment to go with Aiden Hutchinson this year and next year. And what, and I think I think it does get a little lost and you make very good points about the schedule and the state of the NFC and next year's no guarantee. But it's also, I think, a very uh, short-minded thing to and line. It's so easy as a Lions fan these days to go down that line instead of just, you know, we have a good team here. Why not change the locker room? Like this, this is Brad Holmes's plan. Why change it? It's gone exactly to the to a T yeah. so far in the long grand scheme of things. I, I, again, I I understand, and that's why I'm saying I'm don't go doing a draft day where you trade three first round picks in the future of your team for a guy that is like I'm I'm not saying that, but you meant like and and you were obviously saying that in my defense, but you look at Howie Roseman, he went and got Kevin Byard, an All Pro safety. Yeah. You look at John Lynch, he went and got Chase Young after they lose three straight football games. So right. the teams that we're supposed to be competing with got better at the trade deadline, and we did not, which means we got worse. And again, maybe I am thinking nearsighted of, oh, like there's more to this. But I guess another another analogy I could have is maybe the Boston Celtics. The Boston Celtics sat on draft picks for so long and so long and so long and so long because – Danny Ainge wanted to be the smartest guy in the room and never lose a trade and never lose this. And that in from a, a young core of guys who are supposed to take over the league, they have one finals appearance. They continuously get routed by Jimmy Butler in the playoffs. And mm-hmm. I mean, I think maybe they finally embraced it a little bit. They, they sent away Marcus smart, bring in drew holiday, bringing Tingus Pingus from Latvia. But I just think that, there is a fine line between like you're saying the school of we're building for seven years. We're not building for two years. And there's a fine line of, I'm going to sit on my hands for so long that I'm going to miss my opportunity. And I will not have even realized it because I was right. so busy looking at 2026's team. So I think that's where I would have, I think there's a middle ground and sure. Brad Holmes is obviously a very smart guy. He's proven to be a, incredibly capable GM but I just think that in my opinion I think he missed an opportunity to actually give the Lions a run this year yeah and I don't think and I know you say not adding anything makes you worse and it probably does relative to arguably the the two teams that I think even though they've lost three games that I would put ahead of you for sure in the NFC just guys on a roster wise did get better We've seen how this NFC has gone. The Lions are still very much in the mix of this. And even without making a move, are still very much in play for a one seed, very much in play for a home playoff game. Um, And that doesn't change because you didn't do anything. Agreed. Um, And and again, I'm, I'm playing a lot of devil's advocate for Brad Holmes here. Maybe you don't, maybe he didn't like, and there was a, he didn't like any of the opportunities he's got or the guy's available, or it just never worked out. You know, maybe I'm playing fan here and choosing to believe that's the case, but uh, you just never know. So, yeah. 
we'll, yeah, we'll see the season play out. And, and there's a lot to be hopeful. I mean, I said it the, the last week we went out here. The only game left on my schedule that I'm afraid of is the Cowboys game. I'm not afraid yeah. of the Chargers. The rest of the schedule, the five division games we have, this division blows now that Kirk Cousins is dead. Yeah. You look at, I think we have the Broncos, and I think that's a home game, dead. So I, I'm just, I'm not afraid of what's to come. I just would have liked to have that guy that could come in, help you get to the passer a little bit quicker without having to blitz. And with that, it, again, we'll see what happens. Another thing is maybe they tried. You know, maybe they did call for Montez Sweat, and they said, hey, here's the second-round pick. And then maybe the Chicago Bears said, hey, here's a second-round pick. And obviously, Washington, even even though the ghost of Dan Snyder might still be there, there's probably some capable human being in the room that said, yeah, these Chicago Bears are not as good as the Detroit Lions. Let's take their second-round pick instead of the Detroit Lions. We don't know that. No reports have come out. But I, I would have liked to have seen a guy on, on the defensive line get added to this team. And the Lions will march into the bye week here, and they'll get it done, and then we'll, we'll be on to San, or I almost said San Diego, Los Angeles. I bet San Diego wishes they still had the team, but no. I mean, that's the thing is this bye week. I I love that it comes at a beautiful time. I know I think last yeah. year we kind of got hold with like a week five bye week, and it was like, well, congrats. Now we got to play thirteen straight football games. Not that we were winning any of them at the beginning, but. This no. comes at a perfect time. You can get Montgomery back. I think that's probably why he didn't go on injured reserve was so they could say, you know what? No need to force him out for four games. He sits for two. He comes back after the bye week and we're golden. You get some of the other guys who are playing through injuries. Maybe they get healthy, taking a week off and get the get the boys a nice vacation, have them go down to Cancun for some team building and get them back, get them back in the office and let, let's go beat the Chargers. Let's go have some fun. Let's go win some football games, and let's go prove me wrong and show that this team is good enough to be the one seed without any additional help at the deadline. Let's just not go. Let's not go apple picking, like Bryce or like. Uh, did you see that? No, I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, so Zach Wilson was seen going apple picking in like Utah with his girlfriend and some New York like radio fanatic guy basically called and was like, this guy's a certified loser. He's not, <laughs> not, in, the, not in the office on an, uh, watching film on an off week. He's with his girlfriend picking freaking apples. That's amazing. So, let's avoid the apple orchards boys. Yeah. Get down to Mexico where they don't know who you are. <laughs> oh exactly. God. All right. I'm going to say we leave it here. We've got, we've got beautiful lions six and two into the bye week. So I will leave everyone off with, if you've made it this far, we appreciate it and go lions. And by the way, MSU is two and six in case you were wondering, that's our MSU football recap. Thanks guys.